coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. As lovers of games, we will continue to wait for Mother 3. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We have got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some cleanup around last week's Nintendo Direct. And then on Thursday, we are determining the best NPC in The Legend of Zelda the Skyward Sword for real this time. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, it would be really funny if we get preempted by another Nintendo Direct. I just like another like full <laughs> forty minutes. Forty Nintendo minutes. Yep, it's possible. They just really don't want us to talk about the best Skyward Sword NPC. They uh, they know that they just have to make it through February and then March. We're talking that's about right, Kirby. That's right. That's <laughs> right. They can wait us out. They're like, give us some trailers. Bayonetta three is so close to being done. Yeah. Um, or they could just put out a bunch of trailers for Sonic Forces. Uh, would you like to be part of the Sonic Forces borrowing program? This is a program wherein I lend you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. I don't know if we explained this clearly enough in, in uh, previous episodes. I send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. All you got to do to participate is get your name on our list. Email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy. You play it for as long as you want. And then Patrick includes a return envelope with postage. Yes. So you can just pop it in the mail, send it back. You don't even need to write anything on it, but you can do whatever you want, of course, with Sonic Forces. Well, it is well, it is in your possession. When it leaves your possession, you are waiving your right to do anything else to it or with it. That's right. You can't recall it. You can't be like, I forgot to do this thing with it. Right. You cannot do that. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Instead of Sonic Forces, it's just a thing that happens. Well, while you're waiting, you can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And really, this is while you're waiting for anything. The bus, uh, your mom to pick you up, um, you know, the person in line in front of you to get out of the bathroom. Yeah, it takes precious few seconds. It helps us out so much. If you leave us a review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we will give you a shout out on the show because we can see the usernames of the people who do that. If you leave us a review anywhere else, let us know. We would love to give you a shout out. Hit us up on Twitter, send us an email, and let us know. Uh, one other piece of information here. March is Kirby Month. Kirby March. Um, is uh, uh, upon us, which means we are going to be playing and talking about Kirby games all month long. Um, Mark and I aren't new to Kirby necessarily, but Kirby is a deep ocean. There's just so much Kirby. Yes, and yes. so many quarters of the Kirby universe that neither of us have ever right. explored. And we need some Kirby cartographers to uh, draw us some maps and let us know what kind of Kirby stuff we should be talking about, what kind of Kirby games we should be playing. And of course, send us your Kirby memories, your Kirby preferences. Um, and, you know, let's all celebrate mouthful mode together. Um, email us Nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com with that. And we will use it during the month. Um, Mark, I have a little bit of a, uh, a debug from our conversation about, Ooh. yeah, well, it, it's it tough. It hurts my heart. Sometimes we're wrong about things. Um, from Terry at Goblin about uh, last Thursday's conversation about the Nintendo Direct, um, uh, Terry at Goblin writes, two, two little corrections. Uh, number one, you stated that the creator of Earthbound slash Mother is Sinji Ito. So I didn't actually, I started to say that and then was like, that's not right. Um, and then just said Ito for the rest. And that's also not right. Um <laughs> Jared Goblin goes on to say uh, his name is actually uh, Shigesato uh, Itoi, uh, and he is great friend was great friends with Awada and wrote the uh, Ask Awada book. Um, so that 
That's that's my bad. Uh, Itoi is not Ito. Those are different guys. Um, and then the other correction slash maybe answering a question we were actually asking regarding the baseball puppet from the direct. He is called the coach and is apparently a mascot for the ML for the MLB the show series. He shows up in various advertisements. If he shows up in so many advertisements, how come I've never seen him before? <laughs> I. Uh, Chariot Goblin, thank, thank you. you so much for clearing that up. Uh, I'm glad. Well, actually, I'm not going to lie. I wish that he was. <laughs> I wish that it was just a non sequitur. Yeah, yeah, me too. That would really delight me. But now that I know that this character has a name, next time we talk about what character should be in Smash, <laughs> yep, or the like... coach from MLB Baseball. <laughs> it's been on Nintendo Switch now. Yep, he counts. He counts. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you on on the Etoy correction. I should have uh, I should have had that in my notes or something, but I was uh, not being thorough at, at the time. Look, it's it's a quick turnaround for us when there's a Nintendo Direct and we talk about it that evening, um, and there are a lot of little pieces of information, and we are frequently wrong. As much and as I hate happened. to say it, yep. <laughs> Uh, we also got a question on Twitter from at Mora Bros. Uh, they write. I think the next Mario title should feature Bowser and Wart joining forces to take down the bros. Nintendo Cartridge Society, you guys are big Wart fans. What do you think that crossover might look like? I love this idea. Oh, yeah? I think for sure Wart and Bowser, I would love to see them team up. I'm do not they sure. team up in Dreamland? Does Wart exist outside of Dreamland? So here's, here's my pitch. Okay. Bowser mm-hmm. creates this machine. You know, with like Kamek and the Koopa Kids that turns dreams into reality. Okay. And so he extracts Wart from Dreamland into the real world. Mm-hmm. And so that way they can like team up and be the baddest bros together. Now, do we worry that Bowser with this technology is going to like bring Freddy out into the real world? I think it's a risk. I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you have reason to be concerned. I think it's a legitimate risk. Uh-huh. Um, you're talking, of course, about Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Not like Freddy Mercury, who you could also dream about. Yeah. Um, okay. So you think that, uh, like, Bowser is recruiting Wart. I think so. I Do think th- it's almost like, yeah. you know, um, the because why stop at Wart? Why not bring other villains in everyone is here <laughs> exactly yeah. it's like the old it's like the sinister six but for mario whoa okay let's do that right now who is the sinister six but for mario you got bowser of uh-huh. course you got wart those are those are our two sort of cornerstones uh tatanga you got tatanga tatanga from super mario land has got to be another one that's three i i think wario Wario for sure. Wario for sure uh-huh. is the fourth member of Mario Sinister Six. Because Wario to me feels like the like Green Goblin of the group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, Wart is the Mysterio. Like I think we can. I think we could do all of them. We're not going to, but I think we could. <laughs> Tatanga is the Vulture. I think <laughs> this is this shaping up really nicely. Actually, um, two more. Okay. Um. Who are other... You could have Shadow Mario from Super Mario Sunshine. Okay. All right. Is Are we worried about there being Wario and a Mario clone on the same team? <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's okay. <laughs> um, what about um, Fawful from the Mario and Luigi series? Okay. Okay. That's six. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Look at that. What a great Sinister Six. Um, thank you, uh, Mara Bros. I think that's it would have to be a, a Mario's uh, Sinister Six uh, led by Bowser. Um, that's great. I love that. Let's get into what we've been playing this week. Mark, I want to start off with a good one. Um which is really just a continuation. I am still playing uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus uh, and making incredibly slow progress throughout the game. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time focusing on what the game is asking me to do next because all of the like myriad little things that the Pokedex is asking me to do are so much more compelling. Like I don't look, there's a diamond clan and a pearl clan and they all have like 
problems with their Pokemon whatever. Um, but there's a whole field of wild Pokemon out there that I can just go catch and fight to my heart's content. Mark, there are these uh, like time-space anomalies that appear at random on the map, right? Uh, and when you go inside them, you are set upon by all sorts of weird, rare Pokemon that don't normally exist in that region. These are the best part of the game because it's just a smorgasbord of Pokemon you want to collect that you haven't seen yet in the game. Um, so I love those. I love building out my team. I'm having a very good time with this game and not progressing at all in the story. That kind of see. I mean... I guess if the main story isn't compelling, that's not like the best thing in the world. But I think it does speak highly of the game that there is a lot of this other stuff for you to go do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is fun. It just means like the core of the game, what you're doing moment to moment is enjoyable. Um, and even if those moments aren't like adding up to something, you know, something bigger, and maybe it will once I like progress through the main story. Um, but I sort of don't care. Like I'm just having a great time. Uh, experiencing those individual moments. So the way you were speaking, so like setting up yeah. Pokemon Legends Arceus makes me wonder where this next thing you've been playing is going. Yeah, so I uh, on Thursday, they released a new demo for Triangle Strategy, the new 2D HD, HD 2D um, tactics strategy RPG from Square Enix. Uh, I have been playing it. It is the first three chapters of the game. Um, and man, I got to tell you, this is a chatty game. A lot of dialogue. Uh, I've been playing for about an hour and a half, and I've done one battle. Um, and uh, this is the kind of experience that has made me really reassess my relationship to Fire Emblem, where I'm like, oh, yeah, those games are smart and fun and get you into the action fast. They have great writing for the characters where you're like immediately attached to them because their personality is being expressed in every line of dialogue they say uh if that is the case for triangle strategy these characters are boring <laughs> um but i uh, like it legit feels like they're not even being written in character voices you know what i mean um they're just telling me what's about to happen next what they're doing uh tell me what their character motivations are without expressing any of the personality of the characters. So far, I'm extremely disappointed oh, that in uh, Triangle Strategy. I'm going to finish the demo, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, if it doesn't like pick up by the end of the third chapter, I don't think I'm going to I mean, that would be rough if it doesn't pick up by the end of the third chapter. Three chapters of nothing happening. I mean, I'm, I'm into the second chapter. Oh, wow. Uh, and like it's it's very little incident um and just i don't i don't, I don't know I'm, I'm i'm not digging the storytelling i switched the voice acting from english to japanese right away and uh uh they had the volume on the voice acting set so loud um i turned it way down so i could hear the music which is occasionally very good but also occasionally kind of sucks <laughs> um where it's just like the scenes don't all need to be scored as heavily as they are. And sometimes the music is just kind of like jaunty, like bouncing. It's like, okay, well just like, they're just having a conversation. Like I don't need that musical accompaniment here. Um, feels like a miss to me. Uh, I would be interested to see how other people are uh, dealing with the triangle strategy demo. In fact, if you've been playing it, uh, you know, email in uh, Nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com and, you know, let us know how you're feeling about it. If it changes your, uh, you know whether you're waiting for this game or what yeah because i was kind of you know a little bit nervous about it because tactic games aren't necessarily my cup of tea and then yeah you know we had a conversation uh where i started thinking of it more as um like a final fantasy tactics like a take on final fantasy tactics that got me excited this has me not very excited again very um the setup like the structure is not like octopath traveler right like it is not a, like a bunch of different characters and you are right. choosing whose story to follow first it is it is one story narrative uh and the triangle of triangle strategy is referring to three different kingdoms that are 
um, you know, in the, on this continent and, you know, because of the various things they control. There's uh, one kingdom that controls, like, trade throughout the, the, the continent, one who controls the salt, and one who controls the iron. And for some reason, those are just the three main pillars, trade, salt, and iron. Um, and those things get out of whack from time to time, and so they go to war. Um, and uh, our story takes place at like the beginning of one of those one of those families marrying into the other, um, and just sort of what intrigue goes on there. But I don't find any of the intrigue very intriguing. Uh, and the your main character and his bride to be are both like wet blanket boring. Um, and I'm just I I don't have anything to latch onto at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I hope that changes by the end of chapter three. But I am currently. Uh, not excited about this game. Well, okay, so I have been playing Dragon Quest XI S, Echoes of an Elusive Age, Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Very good. I've picked it back up for the third time. This time I am determined to continue to play it. And so maybe if Triangle Strategy, I, I should check out the demo for myself, but maybe if it turns out to not be my thing either, um, that'll be fine because I can really focus on just like continuing Dr- Dragon Quest XI S. Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, when I picked it back up, I looked at my save file. The last time I played with this was June of 2021. <laughs> so it has been a while. Yeah. I did not restart, which is what I did. Like, Thank the, you. Yeah. I, could, I didn't want to do Heliodor Castle again. I didn't right. want to do any of that stuff. Um, and so I... So where are you? So it's uh, the hero and Eric right now running around? I ju- we just picked up um, Veronica. Is yeah. that the name of yep. the mm-hmm. like little girl? Yeah. Who, you know, speaking of like characters i i know that the uh there are a lot of party members that i have yet to meet yes. i'm still very early in the game but uh i i like the three characters so far when you meet veronica she has a lot of personality veronica i like has so much personality. i like her cheekiness her yep. like i know who you are we'll talk later like sort of like what whatever i found her very um like instantly it's like oh this is a fun character yeah and so i yeah still not that far into it it's one of those things um playing what was it called uh um octopath no sorry not octopath traveler the the like uh fire emblem slash persona mashup what was that tokyo mirage sessions sharp fe playing tokyo mirage sessions sharp fe um encore uh, encore (laughs) was actually like really good in a lot of ways like i ended up loving the game but it also reminded me that the first few hours, sometimes like many hours of an RPG, it can be just like a little bit, it, it doesn't usually grab you immediately, or at least right. that's my experience right. with it. You have to put hours into it, and then you start like understanding the systems. There's enough characters that are like playing off of each other. And so that's kind of where I feel like I'm just at the beginning of yes. reaching that point, the very beginning, where you're like, okay, like... There's a little more intrigue in the plot. Mm-hmm. The characters are there are more of them in the story, so they're like bouncing off of each other in interesting ways. And so I'm very excited to continue into it. And um, yeah, so yeah. Re- right now you are on your way to rescue Serena, right? Yes, exactly. Um, the relationship that's that's Veronica's sister. Uh, the relationship between the two of them is one of my favorite in any game I've played in the last like decade. Um, they have many sweet moments. Uh, I, th- those are characters that I've cried over because of things that happened to them or for them or around them. Um, they're wonderful. And then you have so many other like great <laughs> yeah, characters to meet af- after that. Um, so one of the things that was really funny though, is I was going into a couple of dungeons. Like when you get Eric, who's this thief, um, you can play as like a, a rogue and he, you just have to get this like orb or something. I can't even remember why yeah. you need it. But so you have to go down into this dungeon. And it was the first dungeon that I had done since I restarted the game or picked it back up again. And I was so in Zelda mode where it was like, oh, I can just like run past these enemies, go down, get go to the boss, right? And because um I forgot about like the oh it's an RPG. I have to be like leveled up. Yeah. So I basically did that. I just kind of like ran through the dungeon, avoided the enemies as much as possible, got to the boss, got and stomped just by the got boss. stomped. That I was like, oh right, I have to, I have to grind a little bit. Like yeah. I've got to level up so that way I can, um, like actually approach the bosses. I had too much Zelda on the brain from finishing Skyward Sword. A uh, couple questions about how you are approaching like the grindiness of the game. Um, are you doing the auto battling or are you uh, making all the battle choices yourself? 
Um, so I'm kind of splitting the difference right now. Again, like I have not, I've only had battles with two characters so far. Right, right, right. So just me and Eric. And so Eric, I am setting their, t- his tactic. And then I've been making the choices myself. I do have a question for you. So does, in the, in the game, by default, you're able to like run around on the battlefield. Yeah. Does that do anything? No, it doesn't do anything. Okay. Okay. Then I'm <laughs> yeah. going to turn that off. Cause I know you can turn it off and just have it be like a static camera and, then you're just managing the tactics. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I want to do because it just, th- it seemed like there was no point to it, but I wondered if I was just missing something. No, there's there's no point to it. And uh, second question, do you have battle speed turned up? No. Go into the settings and turn the battle speed up to as fast as it can go, especially when you're in like grinding sections. You may want to like turn it back down just for like boss stuff so the animations don't look like weird and whatever. But when there are... Uh, you know, there's a point coming up here where you're going to be like walking through the desert for a while. Uh, turn that battle speed right on up. Oh, okay. Um, and then the my last little bit of advice is uh, to not be precious about your MP. Um, cast spells, use special abilities. Um, you get you have so many frequent opportunities to refill your magic points and like heal up and stuff. Uh, and in the early go, I was being so precious about it and really like saving that for like a big fight or whatever. Don't do it. Just go nuts. Like use the stuff. Use your abilities. Do how did you? The game's more fun that way. How did you um, spec your character? Like, did you focus more on like two-handed swords? Did you do like sword and shield? Yeah. So I did a lot of. I'm just trying to remember now. It's going back a ways. Um, early on, I started building out towards um, Eric's boomerang. Um, oh, sure. Uh, his boomerang and and knife stats. Because um, the uh, one of the knife power ups is like two handed weapons. Yes, that's right. I want to get to. I want get to that two handed. I wanted weapon, to yeah. be a dual wielding thief. That is yes. desperately what I want. Yes. Uh, and also, don't steal anything ever. No one has anything worth stealing. <laughs> um, it's it's one of the abilities Pat's that's a little borked oh, in, got uh, it. Okay. in 11. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I believe I went with uh, the double-handed sword. But I, like eventually you get... Because you, you play with the hero for long enough that uh, you can kind of max out his because he also has like you know like i can't remember what they call it the luminary powers yeah like luminary powers and i have just i have not been doing those so far i've been purely focused on um i'm doing like sword and shield yeah sword and board um but but that makes sense because again i think i am just really at the very beginning of the game like the very cusp and so yeah well and you will get so many other characters that have uh more interesting skill trees where you have to make like really kind of dynamic, meaningful choices about how you're going to build them out. Um, that I'm just very interested to see like how you do it. Uh, and just, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you are like, cause you are, you have now gotten to the, once you meet Veronica, that's where I started to like oh, fall nice. in love with the okay. game. Um, and over the course of the next like three, four hours of gameplay is where I went from like, oh, this is really cool to like, oh, this is one of the greatest games ever made. Oh, that's really exciting to be right there. Also, one last thing I want to say about it is um, I am playing while I'm playing. I'm like listening to podcasts and stuff. Yeah, because great move. It's not that the music is necessarily terrible. It's just that it is it's incredibly repetitive. It feels yeah. like there's like three pieces of music. And one of them like is bad. Uh, the the music that like the dungeon music that has that really leans on this like dissonant horn thing that's like <laughs> wah, wah, um, is bad. It's a bad piece of music. Um, so I do not fault you listening to something else while you play. Um, all right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, Tuesday, February 15th, Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires is released on the Switch. What do we know about this? Patrick. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about it. I, and I think that's fine. I, I, I do think it's interesting how many uh, Warriors games Nintendo is publishing with their own IP, right? With the, the two Zelda games, the two Fire Emblem games, uh, and then... These other Dynasty Warriors games come out to seemingly little fanfare. We're not plugged into that scene, so maybe there is more uh, like in the community of people who are interested in Dynasty Warriors games. Uh, but it's just amazing to me 
the gulf between my personal interest yeah totally in, uh like this versus a, a branded dynasty war you know non-dynasty warriors yeah absolutely and then on thursday february 17th assassin's creed the enzio collection is released there's no end in that word it's just Ezio. <laughs> Ezio collection. <laughs> I wouldn't have said anything, but you pronounce it the same way uh, on our Thursday episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a, a history with Assassin's Creed at all? No, I've um, played the first game, and that's pretty much it. It's not a series that ever really appealed to me, and I know that it has gone through many permutations at this point. Yeah. And is very different from the series it started out as. But, yeah, it just never really grabbed me. Yeah, it never really grabbed me either. I think the last time I checked in on them was, well, I, uh, of course, played a little bit of uh, Assassin's Creed Lip Liberty, maybe was the name of it, on the PlayStation Vita. Um, it was the sort of, like, sister one to... Uh, was it three? The, the one that took place in the Americas? All, I think it was, but so many Assassin's Creed. There's ago so many point. Assassin's Creed. Yes. Yes, that's right. All of this is outdated. Um, but uh, it, I understand the uh, Ezio games to be like the sort of pinnacle of when Assassin's Creed was good uh, or when it was good in that form. It is obviously changed now into something uh, different with uh, Odyssey and the other one that I'm not going to even reach for the name of. Um, so those are available on Switch. Also on Thursday, Voice of Cards, The Forsaken Maiden is released, which is another, just a totally another game in the Voice of Cards series that we were first introduced Whoa. to in in like October or September, whenever the last direct was before the one last week. Hmm. Um, I like the way The Forsaken Maiden has a lot of like assonance. All sounds very similar. Or Fun to say. Uh, any of these uh, sh strike you as games you're going to pick up, Mark? No, but I like that, you know, Voice of Cards, the first one, was so felt so out of left field. And I like that there's just seemingly more of them. You know, it's just, uh, it just seems like a fun si side project for people to be working on. Cool. Um, all right, let's close that out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, you have introduced a topic. I will let you... Uh, Tell us what it is. Yeah. So what I've done is I've pulled the top 10 most popular dog breeds in the United States in 2020, according to registrations with the American Kennel Club. Okay. As reported by USA Today. All right. <laughs> so what we're going mm -hmm. to do is we're going to go through this top 10 most popular dog breeds and definitively determine if the if these breeds deserve to be in the top 10. Okay. All right. So when we say top 10. Yeah. Are those like, for USA Today's purposes, are those like by numbers? Yeah, or so they, it's okay. like the most reg, uh, bre like the most dogs with registered with that breed. With that breed. Right. Okay, yeah. And dog breeds are, of course, uh, like make believe slash borderline <laughs> evil. Don't shop, adopt, all of that. Um, but with all those caveats out of the way, let's talk about a lab Labrador Retriever. Labrador Retriever. Um, this is the number one most popular dog breed. Yeah, and I would say a pretty good kind of dog. Yeah, I think deserving to be on the list. Uh, labs of any kind, uh, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so I, I think absolutely. It's just in my mind, I close my eyes, it's like the quintessential dog. Yes. It's like uh, it's a dog that's big enough to wrestle, but not so big that it's going to like knock stuff off the table with its tails. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I do know what you mean. It also is, and look, I want all dogs to be healthy. <laughs> but when labs are a little fat, mm. that's fun. Yeah, that's. I mean, what other what other breed of dog is it good to be just like a little bit chubby? And I don't know. I think it's just the lab. I've never seen a fat German Shepherd. That might be funny. I don't think it exists. <laughs> I don't think it does either. Okay, uh, so Labrador Retriever on the list. On the list, French Bulldog. <laughs> cute, I cute. 
I don't know that I care about a it. A little overplayed, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I say let's kick it out. All right. Not. So long, French Bulldog. Yep. Not des- not deserving. Not deserving of a place in the top ten uh, uh, from USA Today. Next up, German Shepherd. I, I'll be honest. I'm a little frightened of German Shepherds. I'm a little frightened of German Shepherds too. Have I you had, had a- negative, like German Shepherd? Exp- did you were you just about to say that you had a friend who had German Shepherds and they were a little out of control? So no, they are not out of control. I had a friend in college who was the youngest certified trained. Uh, certified police dog trainer um, in the United States at the time of his certification. Uh, And so I saw a video of him training German shepherds to like just attack a dude. (laughs) And he had these German shepherds and like, you had to just be like very mindful of like where they were and like, were you striking one of the like threatening training (laughs) postures? So I don't like them. Get them out of here. <laughs> I had a friend who had German Shepherds, and they were um, good dogs. But they were just like rambunctious. Yeah, and they're just so big that when they're when they're big, it like feels uh, a little scary. Yeah. Also, get that coarse fur out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, German Shepherds, get the boot. Golden Retriever, A plus. Absolutely, they stay. The dog stays in the picture. Mark. <laughs> I, I. I feel like this is a personal failing, but I don't find golden retrievers that cute. What? What are we talking about? <laughs> I just. What do you mean? I don't. Where would the Air Bud series be without golden retrievers? There's something about how like their first kind of like wavy. Yeah. That I don't trust. Mm, they're too beautiful for <laughs> you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just feel like they're talking about me behind my back. They might be. So are you saying that you want them off the list? I think I would kick Golden Retrievers off the list for me personally. Wow. All right. Well, then he's off. If if either one of us says off, then the dog's off. So far, only the Labrador remains. Uh, next up, Bulldog, as discreet from French Bulldog. Shouldn't exist. Shouldn't exist. Crime against nature. Uh, love an underbite. <laughs> I say keep him on the list. All right. He's made <laughs> any dog that is prone to allergies and you have to like rub it down with lotion all the time. Right, something you, something you can relate to. Yep, totally. Um, uh, next up, we have three different kinds of poodles. Right, they're all like grouped together in the uh, American Kennel Clubs, but uh, USA Today broke it out. So. Okay, uh, standard miniature and toy. Uh, miniature for me is the only one that stays on the list. Yeah, big I agree. poodle, get it out of here. Big poodle's weird. I don't know why as a miniature poodle should be poodle, and then standard poodle should be giant poodle. I think. <laughs> And no giant poodles. Mark, no giant Mark poodles. we got to really... We gotta oh, okay, really okay, okay, okay. Next up is Beagle. Keep it. Stays. It howls. Yep. It's great. Rottweiler. No. Grew up next to two of them. I say, uh, no. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll never know whether the German short-haired pointer or dachshund uh, end up on our list. Today, we are accompanied by the cellist, uh, Timotheus Petrin, and uh, pianist, George Yanyu Fu. All right, Mark. Let's get into the news. The director of the original Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, uh, Chihiro Fujioka, said that he would be interested in making Super Mario RPG 2. In an interview with MinMax, he said, quote, Yeah, I would absolutely love to make one. In my career, I've been involved with a lot of games, and I would really like my final one to be another Mario RPG game, if possible. I think Mario and Luigi is cool, but I would like to go back and create a Mario RPG where you're only controlling Mario. So, this is both very exciting and something we should ignore, right? Like, in in both, it is the director of the original Super Mario RPG, a man who co-founded Alpha Dream, the studio that made a bunch of the Mario and Luigi games, um, all of them, in fact, uh, saying that he would like to close out his career by making a sequel to the 1996 classic Super Mario RPG. Does that mean it's any more likely to happen than if he hadn't said that? No. I know. Sadly, no. (laughs) It is nice to know that there's... Uh, another uh, game developing person who's thinking about a Super Mario RPG too. Like that's kind of encouraging, right? Yeah. Uh, and you pointed out that he founded Al- was one of the co-founders of Alpha Dream. 
he left the studio in 2015 uh, before it went bankrupt in 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a great point that like, it's not as though the Mario RPG or the uh, Mario and Luigi series is a, uh, does, doesn't move units at this point. Um, I, I mean, obviously because they went bankrupt, um, but that's also why they went bankrupt. Uh, he didn't share any other details on his vision for what a second game could be, but it is fun to think about. Yeah, I would, I, I would love it. Uh, Mello and uh, Gino are two of my favorite characters in the Mario canon. I would love to see them uh, revisited in an RPG again. Uh, relatedly, Mother 3 producer Sinichi Kamioka recently told Nintendo Everything that uh, he would, quote, also love to see Mother 3 released in the U.S. and Europe. As a lover of games, I will continue to wait for Mother 3's worldwide release. So here's another one where it doesn't mean anything. But, Mark, if we're just putting together, we're just putting together pieces here, right? Square Enix uh, localizing Live Alive uh, for the first time outside of Japan. Uh, Nintendo putting Mother and Mother 2 on the Nintendo Switch online uh, and the, the, putting it on those apps. Uh, are we any nearer now to the... Finally, release of Mother Three in the West. I would say never say never. Right, forever is a very long time, mm -hmm. and so would it surprise me if someday it is released on some Nintendo platform, the Virtual Boy Three, perhaps? Um, yeah, like we're going back to Virtual Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah, we might. Yeah, it's, yeah. Some like got to get into the metaverse somehow. Exactly. So yeah, like someday, I believe it. I, I, I don't know that I think that it's coming anytime soon, but do you think that, you know, probably at least five or six years ago at this point, there were heavy, heavy rumors that Nintendo of America had, like, completed a Mother 3 mm. um, translation? And so do you think that that has happened? Like, do you think that there was a localization and it just wasn't released? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think Nintendo gets pretty far with these projects, the, the ones that get, like, shuttered and we never hear from again. Um, and honestly, if we get a GBA library on the Nintendo Switch Online service, I think that's how it'll happen. I think Mother 3 will be a part of that uh, in the same way that Star Fox 2 was part of the uh, Super NES um, collection. You know, just that they have these like ultra rare curiosities um, and if they can roll them out to show like added value for like their online service, that's obviously something that they're pushing right now, right? Um, to be like, no, 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 no. The, uh, the expansion pack also gets you access to these new Mario Kart tracks. Um, if they were like, oh, and this is the only way to play the GBA library, which means it's the only way to play uh, Mother 3, like it's a no brainer at that point. Yeah, and because really, like, releasing Mother 3, I mean, really releasing Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings, yeah, it's really, like, an aim at the super fans, like the yes. Nintendo super mm -hmm. fans, because releasing Mother 3 doesn't, won't really mean anything to the vast majority of people. True. Um, and so, I don't know if that makes it more likely or less likely, but I think the scenario that you're laying out is probably... Well, makes the most sense. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it is it is weird. And e even the uh, even the super fans, even the you and me, um, like I don't know that I'm gonna play through. I don't Earthbound. know that I would. Yeah, I don't know that I. Like, I don't know if I would play through Mother Three. Either. I've yeah. never played Earthbound Beginnings. I, yeah, I don't know if I would play through Mother Three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I played through uh, Earthbound slash Mother Two. Back when it came out with uh, a friend of mine that I didn't like named Ryan, uh, <laughs> he and I played it together um, and I liked the game. Uh, but, you know, those are memories of 12, 13 year old me. Um, and I've not like experienced the whole thing as an adult. I'm going to give it a shot um, now that it is on the uh, Super NES Switch online. But like, yeah, I just don't have a ton of love for it at at present. Following last week's Nintendo Direct, a few details on Kirby and the Forgotten World's Amiibo support were revealed on the Japanese website for the game. Amiibo can apparently be used to access, quote, useful items, whatever that means. 
Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Darn it. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. At least we caught it now. Yeah. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Mm-hmm. So uh, Amiibo can apparently be used to access useful items. Right. And uh, the supported Amiibo are Kirby, King DDD, Metadite, Waddle D, and kind of like a surprise is QB uh, from Box Boy, which was a Japan exclusive Amiibo. The cruelest of cuts. I. It's. Do you think this uh, suggests that they will be releasing QB uh, in the West? My heart wants it to be true. Right. But my brain says no. However, mm. I am holding out hope for like a new Box Boy game in the future. Yeah. And that would be a great time to bring it over. Did uh, When did the QB Amiibo come out? Did it come out uh, with like one of the Box Boy games on 3DS? I yeah, and the, not not Box Boy Forever, the one that no bye 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 Box Boy was that the one that came out on? I think bye bye Box Boy was the. Uh, the I think that's a 3ds one. The last one to come out on 3ds, and then the one on Switch is like Box Boy and Box Girl. I think Box Boy and Box Girl is correct. I'm I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Box Boy is the original. Uh, Box Box Boy is the second one. Bye Bye Box Boy is the third one. Those are all on 3DS. And then Box Boy and Box Girl is on the Switch. That's so I correct. think the QB one came out with uh, Bye Bye Box Boy. Yeah. Also, uh, we're due for a new Box Boy game. Um, the original came out in 2015. Sequel 2016. Third sequel 2017. Then a year off in 2018. 2019 is basically Box Boy 4. Uh, and then uh, 2020, 2021, we are now in 2022. This is the longest we've gone without the release of a new Box Boy game. And Box Boy needs that Switch bump. Yeah. So let's get a new Box Boy game. Yeah. Yeah. With an attendant amiibo, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess no real surprises there other than QB being supported. Um, useful items. So not cosmetics, we think. Yeah. Probably, it's just going to be like a health power. Up yeah, or I think it's going to be like Metroid Dread-esque yeah. amiibo support. As part of the Nintendo Direct, Nintendo announced 48 new tracks coming to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's DLC uh, through the end of 2023. Unconfirmed speculation, my Unconfirmed. favorite kind, is that the tracks are being ported from Mario Kart Tour. And so maybe we can look to the tracks in that game to see what like will be part of the DLC. The reason people are thinking this is they're like, uh, looking at the geometry and the graphics of the tracks that have been announced, like Chaco Mountain, mm-hmm. in this first round of DLC, and comparing it to the version in Mario Kart Tour, and seemingly it looks like they are very similar. Yeah, well, and that stands to reason that if they've it's already been updated for a 3D game that is you know uh, on a high definition screen like your phone is. Um, that they would be using a lot of the same or similar assets. Uh, yeah, I, I saw a, a little like hubbub about um, you know graphical fidelity and like the sort of design of the um, tracks that were part of this uh, set. I don't, uh, I don't really care about it. Um, the game is uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a gorgeous game, um, and you end up losing most of the gorgeousness as soon as you start going fast in it anyway. Um, and I just want some more tracks, baby. Like, uh, if, if it turns out that they're like, that they look like really bad, then I'll, wor- I'll worry about that then. But also, like, that'd be so weird. Yeah. It would be really weird if they looked bad. <laughs> and Nintendo, um, d- don't think that just cause you're giving us 48 new tracks, they've forgotten that what we really want is the ability to, uh, turn down the sound effects so we can hear the music. Yes. Please let us turn down the sound effects and voices. I need to turn down those voices too because I want to hear that awesome music. That's a, that's another cool thing is to think that we'll we'll get a bunch of, presumably, we'll get a bunch of new music with these tracks. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Nintendo, if you wanted to have another level to Nintendo Switch Online that's mm. like Expansion Pass Pack Plus, yeah, that is purely... Uh, it's $100 a year just so I can turn down yes. the volume of the sound effects in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I would pay that. Also, as long as we're asking for things, uh, that includes a music player on the Nintendo Switch uh, app on my phone. So any of the music that I've unlocked in any game that has a music player, I can play directly from my phone. That I, If that were part of it, then like for sure, yes, 100 bucks, Yeah, Yeah. A year. No problem. 
We got some fun character announcements for a couple of upcoming games last week. First, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge announced Splinter as a playable character. So after April O'Neil and the four turtles, that makes him the sixth playable character in the game. Uh, and they are not saying that this is the final character reveal or anything like that. Uh, I My brain explodes with Ninja Turtle playable character possibilities. I'm excited that they're expanding. You know, it was cool to see April being a, a playable character. They're like broadening it beyond the four turtles, which is just so Ninja Turtle standard, right? That the four turtles are the four playable characters. Um, but then also getting Splinter, like it's just, it's just very rad. Uh, and I hope they kind of, go into the roster give me a jenica give me a fifth turtle like um that could be super super fun chocobo gp revealed that cloud strife from final fantasy 7 will be coming to the game as a season pass exclusive reward it's currently unclear what else is in the season pass what the season pass will cost or if there's any other way to unlock Cloud. We don't know anything. They're just teasing us with Cloud at this point. And then saying, by the way, he's part of a season pass exclusive. Uh, which, look, I'm interested in Chocobo GP. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it's going to be fun. I think I'm going to cast magic spells as a Gilgamesh uh, racing against a Chocobo. And that sound, that's going to be great. I'm worried now with this announcement of a season pass and a Cloud Strife. The most popular Final Fantasy character there is uh, being attached to the season pass. Uh, I'm beginning to think this is a uh, Disney Speed Dream or whatever that game is. I I think this may be a crappy cash grab, uh, and I hope I'm wrong. Oh, that hurts my heart. I hope that turns out to not be true, because I was angling for Chocobo GP to be my game of the millennium. and um, Right, and it may not be. Yeah. Disney Speedstorm is the, the the Speed Dream, not a bad name. No, it's I, honestly way closer than I thought I was going to get. Uh, also, I apologize that these two uh, news stories aren't as related as they would seem, but it was just weird to get like character announcements in two games that I'm interested in. As promised last week, while we waited breathlessly mm-hmm. for Nintendo to release the official Eng- English translation of the investor call recapping their uh, Q3 2021 financial results. Here are some of, I guess it actually was probably 2022 fiscal year. Sure. But here are some highlights. One, digital sales, quote, grew enormously in Q3, due in large part to Animal Crossing, Happy Home Paradise, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate's final DLC character being released. Um, I like knowing... And it makes me just wonder, like, what Nintendo's approach to this is going to be in the future. That uh, the DLC for Smash Brothers got an extra bump when the final character was revealed, so people finally knew what they were going to get and then bought it all. Yeah. Like, how does that change their approach? Right. Instead of because you know they could tell us these characters ahead of time, um, but no, they like to keep their they like to keep their little secrets. Do you think that they could tell us all these characters ahead of time, or do you think that some of it is still being sorted out, like as they go? I mean, for the second set, Sakurai said at the beginning that all the characters had been selected already, mm-hmm. um, and that he was like it wasn't up to him that Nintendo had made the decisions. Um, so, do you believe Sakurai, or is he a liar? <laughs> wow. All right. Well. <laughs> If those are my two choices. Those are your choices. I think I believe Sakurai. Do you think the fact that it was... Um, yeah, uh, hold on. We'll get there. Blanking on it was the name. The- Sora. Sora. Do you think the fact that it was Sora like, made people be like, oh, I do want to get this? Because I know that you can buy Sora separately. Right. But Sora plus all the other characters, like this is now worth it to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And also, like, you know, the uh, if they were to uh, tell us all of the characters at the beginning, that's bad marketing, right? Because then we would only talk about it the one time. It would be exciting when they actually came out, but it wouldn't be the same level of excitement as the surprise of here's Sora. Um, but yeah, I think I think those characters were ordered pretty deliberately. Um, so that by the time we got to Sora, um, we weren't, that we were ending on a high note, right? That, uh, it was a, 
it was a flex right at the end of like here is a a seemingly impossible to license character um a, a fan favorite here like yeah i think i think the fact that it was sora probably did help move expansion packs yeah and Fighters I, packs. and maybe people just bought sora like yeah people, that could be too went crazy because mm-hmm. that was a big one i know that i personally like when we got to the end like the fact that there was some amount of like finality yeah and you were like oh if i get this i will have the complete super smash brother ultimate package i think that also at least for me like made me more inclined to buy it because it's like oh now i just want the whole thing right yeah, yeah. and i don't have to worry about that there's going to be more in the future it's just over with yeah Evergreen titles uh, remain an important driver for Switch software sales. Furukawa described the situation as, quote, an evergreen title as player's second or third game. Uh, which I think is obviously something we've known. Um, if you look at uh, Mario Kart 8, the fact that it continues to sell crazy means that, yeah, if, if someone is picking up a Switch because of Metroid Dread, if someone is picking up a Switch because of what's another game that you buy the Switch for, fire emblem for pokemon whatever um that you then are like oh yeah i'll check out breath of the wild people wouldn't shut up about it oh yeah i'll play mario odyssey and the switch library is so crazy at this point that it does make total sense i also thought it was interesting that he talks about how they kind of expect that to shift a little bit as they're reaching the point in the switch's life cycle where they're not going to be selling as many switches to newcomers yes then they're transitioning to selling multiple switches to the same household or people who have already bought a switch upgrading to the oled model and so they expect that like mix of evergreen titles to shift as um there are less people that are just new to the ecosystem yeah it still remains interesting to me how uh like there is no significant markdown for like used copies of those legacy games um, that they continue to sell as well as that. It's like a real thing. Like the value of the game stays high because the value of the game stays high. I know. I And it just, it is crazy that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe still sells for 60 bucks. Yeah. And yes. is continuously one of the best selling games yep. of uh, the month of the year. Hey, Mark, it's a good game. <laughs> Furukawa on NFTs and the metaverse, quote, it has great potential, but currently there is no easy way to define specifically what kinds of surprises and enjoyment the metaverse can deliver to our customers, end quote. Which can sort of be broken down, uh, it, his the statement beyond that, uh, implies that they do not have currently plans to enact any of that uh, stuff, uh, which is good. Uh, it's a little icky to hear them like starting to talk about NFTs, um, but also like... I don't know. I guess Nintendo does a fair number of like kind of uh, icky things regarding like scarcity. Um, so like, I don't know. I'm I'm just glad that it's not something that they're throwing themselves into. Rising costs for component parts of Nintendo Switch are starting to cut into the profitability of the hardware. So far, the hit to profits has been gradual, but quote, if costs continue at current levels through next fiscal year as well, then we would expect hardware profitability to decrease correspondingly compared to to this fiscal year so look we're not talking about supply chains and chip shortages that's not what's happening but for kyle brought it up so i think we have to a little bit um that's uh it seems like a, a foregone conclusion right that like the switches are going to cost them more money to make and they're not really raising the prices on them um but just sort of a bummer reality that um will they raise prices on them to like keep up with profitability or will they just start to like it doesn't that? sound like it from the quote it sounds like they're uh telling investors that like hey you can expect like yeah. uh the profit we make per unit on a switch to go down because these are just going to be become more and more expensive to build and also uh he says that they aren't changing like the amount that they plan to build because of this yeah they're not like cutting back so uh uh, their orders or anything like that. Also, interestingly, the Switch OLED model has a, according to uh, Nintendo, has a lower profit margin than the standard Switch or the Switch Lite, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, especially because like one of you know the the main feature of the Switch OLED, the OLED screen, um, that they had gotten like some killer deal on all these leftover screens from Samsung, right? Um, and uh, the fact that they're still making 
less per unit while charging $50 more um, means something. And I don't really know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I just wonder if the other component costs are higher, right? Like including a Ethernet port in the dock yeah, and like all yeah, that kind of stuff. If it just, those like small improvements, um, they just like add up. Yeah. I wonder uh, what the like where the math was and where the math was headed um, before. And again, I'm, this is, I'm uh, assuming a uh, narrative that we've like come to understand is actually true. Um, that like the switch OLED was going to be a, uh, also a more powerful version of the switch, but then was sort of spec down as they realized what they could get their hands on. Like realistically, um, I wonder if they had a higher price point in mind and would sort of like offset that, um, you know, the sort of disparity between what it costs to make and what it costs to sell it. Um, Cause like for a switch pro, which they would never call it, <laughs> I maintain that would have an OLED screen and like better processing power. How much could you charge? Could you charge 400 for that? Right. Yeah, totally. I also wonder if just, you know, with everything going on that the, he's saying here that, you know, the, the price of components and everything just continued to creep up. Yeah. And so Maybe at you know some point the math was working out, but those components have just continued to get more expensive, and so the margin that they expected to get, they just aren't able to. Yeah. Yep. Finally, the NPD Group released their report on the best-selling games of January in North America. Pokemon Legends Arceus was number one. Um, and this doesn't include digital, so like for games across all platforms, Pokemon Legends Arceus was number one. I do think Pokemon games tend to sell more physical than uh, other games just because there is like a sort of like trading culture um, around them, especially the games where there are like the two versions where, uh, you know, one friend will buy one and the other friend can buy the other. And then you can like swap them out um, so people can experience a, a more complete version of the game. I know that's not what's happening with Arceus, but like I bought a physical version of Arceus. Uh, I, you know, it's it. I think that's just a little bit more of a Pokemon thing. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl combined for number 11. And that also doesn't include digital. Monster Hunter Rise is number three on the charts this month. I think because it just released on PC. Okay. And so that boosted up. Mario Kart 8 keeps on trucking at number eight. And then Mario Party Superstars, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate also made the top 20 across all platforms. Interestingly, the Switch was the third best-selling console in January behind the PlayStation mm. 5 and Xbox. And it seems like, um, based on Furukawa's comments in the Q&A, that basically after December, shipments of the Switch in North America just completely tanked because they were sh they were paying for air shipping to get Switches as much as possible. Yeah. And they couldn't even meet demand, you know, after October through the holidays. And then... Uh, my understanding is that they switched back to like shipping by boat and like slower methods. Sure. And so well, I, and I think, yeah, I think supply just completely tanked in January. Yeah. Well, and it, it's weird though. Cause it's like, it seems like that would be the case for everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean all, all of the numbers for um, PlayStation five, Xbox series and uh, switch are all supply constrained. Um, which again, we are not talking about supply chains. Uh, we've made this promise to you before. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's weird to see them not sitting at number one. Um, but you know, the system is, uh, old now. And I think, uh, the PlayStation Xbox libraries are starting to like actually catch up with, um, you know, sort of where you, they, you think a console library should be, um, before like investing in the, the, the new one, uh, you know, especially with like Halo and um, the new horizon and game. the new horizon game and yeah, all, all that stuff. There's a lot. Um, so you can get them next time. Switch. <laughs> what do you think it takes for uh, is, is there like software that can like rebalance that equation or I don't know. I, I like you're saying, I think it's really just like who can ship the units. Yeah. Right. Cause also, there's already a hundred million of these things, and like, what are we talking about? Right. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of what are we talking about, let's close out the news. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Cartridge Society. I can say the name of our show. 
Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get um, the show. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we appreciate it. When you do that, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. And coach for Smash. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Collectors Club, Club. you're here to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.